0: Lord, we thank you for partners who know and name the name of Jesus. For other brothers and sisters in Christ who have committed themselves to follow Christ and to live on mission with him in this community. And so, Lord, we are uh, very aware that we're not the only church in town. We are not the only people you are using. We are not the only ones in whom Christ is living. And so I thank you for Pastor Keith Capizzi and Club Zion in Cocoa Beach. Thank you for the way that you've used them through the years to be a friend to us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we would ask you right now, Father, pour out the power of the Holy Spirit on Keith. Lord, fill him, Lord, with joy and and with truth, with power to proclaim the one and only gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would do a work in the people who are Club Zion. Fill them, I pray, with your Holy Spirit to go out on mission in their community, making Jesus known in word and deed by the power of Christ in them. And Lord, we pray for ourselves that, Father, you would teach us your word, that you would transform us into the image of Christ. And, Father, we would go on mission with Jesus from this place with joy and glad hearts. In the name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people say it. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn to our next passage in our study of the Gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. In the 1950s, a man named Finley Stevens embarked on a mission that would define his life over the next several decades, really almost to the very end of of his life he spent all kinds of time and energy pursuing this single-minded mission he actually traveled throughout his little corner of the world enlisting help and getting the word out to further his cause and then by the mid-1970s Mr. Stevens finally finished his mission not long before he died y'all know his mission you don't know his mission do you Okay, how about I share it to you? How about I just show it to you? Here's, here's the mission of Mr. Stevens. Yeah, you see that right. It's a giant ball of string. All right, that's not Mr. Stevens next to it. That's a tourist because now Mr. Stevens' ball of string is a tourist attraction in Western Missouri. But it's 19 feet around in circumference. It weighs over 3,000 pounds. And Stevens began making this ball of string when people used to tie their packages With thin postal string. And his entire ball of string is made of nothing but that thin postal string. He had postmasters from all over his region. Saving all the string they possibly could for him. He would go around and regularly connect the strings. Spend time tying them end to end. And then wind them tightly around his prized possession. A giant ball of string. What a mission, right? What a way to spend your life. Well, as I thought about a man dedicating such a significant amount of his life to something, and no offense to Mr. Stevens, but as insignificant as a mission to make the world's largest ball of string, I couldn't help but wonder about all of us. And here's what I mean. If you could boil your life's work down to a single mission, what would it be? Is it accumulating wealth, pursuing earthly pleasure, experiencing all this world has to offer, traveling the four corners of the globe to see the world and all that it is? What's the mission of your life? And the other question is really this. In the end, will the mission of your life prove to be any more significant than Mr. Stephen's ball of string. Well, listen, friend. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given a single-minded mission from Jesus himself. Whether you know it or not, you have a calling, you have a cause. And that is actually the focus of our text for this morning. It's about the mission that Jesus gives to those who will answer the call to follow him. So with that in mind, let's read our text. And my prayer for this morning is that in abundant simplicity, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, we would leave with greater insight into our mission, into what it is that Jesus is calling us to live for, to breathe and eat and sleep for, to make our focus for the rest of our life or until Jesus comes again. Look at Mark chapter 6, begin reading in verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits, and he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is the word of God for us this morning. And here's how I want us to approach our text. There are a lot of details that we could dig in and spend a lot of time talking about, but we don't want to miss the forest for the trees in this week's passage. What I want us to do is just quickly get a handle on the big picture of what's going on here. This is this is a passage that's not really that hard to see and understand what's going on. You see clearly that Jesus is sending his followers out on a mission. It begins and ends with that idea. Verse 7 says that very thing. And he called the 12 And began to send them out two by two. Now, when you jump down to verse 12, you see that it says, So, as a result of what Jesus commanded them, they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And so, there's not a whole lot of technical work to do to understand this text. Jesus is sending out his followers on a mission to proclaim a message. The message of repentance. But before we dig into the details of this text... Um, In light of that big understanding, I I told you when we walked through Mark chapter 3, and I don't expect any of you to remember what happened months ago when we were in chapter 3. I don't expect you to remember what happened last week, other than those weird pictures of me with big glasses and weird hair. I I know you remember that. But in Mark chapter 3, I told you we would be connecting a passage from Mark chapter 3 with this text in Mark chapter 6, because they go together together. They complement one another. They inform one another. So listen to this passage from Mark 3, verses 13 and 14. It says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve. That's exactly how they're referenced in Mark chapter 6. The twelve were called to him, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out To preach, Do you see the similarities there? This passage is really similar to the text in chapter 6. Jesus is calling his followers to him, the 12, and it's a foreshadowing of what he'll do in chapter 6. He'll send them out to preach or proclaim a message. But there's a detail here in chapter 3 that isn't in chapter 6. And I hope you noticed it because it's integral to understanding the mission of Jesus. There's something that Mark 3 says goes along with being sent out by Jesus. What is it? Well, verse 14 says Jesus wanted them not just to go out. He wanted them to what? Be with him and to be sent out to preach. So here's a really important part of this. The mission of Jesus... For his disciples is not just to send them out on their own to tell other people a message about him and his kingdom. The mission of Jesus is to be with his disciples on that mission. The mission isn't primarily something we do for Jesus. The mission is primarily something he does through us. Going back over to our text, here's where you see that displayed. The very first verse of our text, verse 7 says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And look at this. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He didn't just send them out. He gave them something as they went. Namely, his authority, his power, he enabled them to do something that they could not do on their own. As a matter of fact, he enabled them to do something that it's been proven through the book of Mark only he could do. In other words, his mission to these men is something he wants to do in and through them, not primarily he wants them to do for him and this isn't unique to this particular passage in the gospels you are very familiar probably with the great commission of the church in matthew 28 listen to what jesus says not in this context but with the church in mind he says to all of his followers in matthew 28 and jesus came and said to them notice this phrase all authority how much authority All. all of it how much authority does jesus have he has all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, go in light and under and in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see it there? He says, I have all authority. And as I send you out, I'm sending you, therefore, in light of and in and with my authority and power. And he says, that's all the way to the point that to the very end of the age, it means until he comes again, everyone who goes out on mission will go out with him. That's the last thing he says, behold, I'm with you. You're not going alone. You're not going in your own strength. I'm going with you. So in a very real way, he isn't just sending them out. He's inviting them in. He's saying, I'm going and I'm inviting you with me. As you go out, I go with you. Okay, so let me just put all of those things we've talked about into kind of clear categories as a quick recap of this text. Number one, Our mission with Jesus includes being with Jesus. He says he called them to himself that they might be with him, to personally know him, to learn from him, be around him, experiencing him. Number two, our mission with Jesus includes going out into this world, being sent out to make his message known to others. And number three, our mission with Jesus includes depending on Jesus and the authority and the power that he gives so we see all of that here in this text and we see that throughout the gospels all the way to the great commission and when you put just those very clear things together you actually get our big idea for this morning and I need to warn you Our big idea for today rhymes, and I did not try to make it rhyme. I discovered that it rhymed when I said it out loud, and I didn't want to spend an hour of my study time trying to make it not rhyme and say the next thing. And so we're stuck with a rhyme today, okay? The big idea for this morning is actually a poem. It's not a good one, but it's a true one, and here it is. Our mission with Jesus is to know him and to make him known by his power, And not our own. I mean, I'm just... uh, I'm a poet and didn't know it. Oh, happened again. Listen, our mission with Jesus. Our mission with Jesus. And you have one and I have one. As followers of Christ, we are all called into this. Our mission is to know him. And to make him known. But not in a way where we step out and go on into this world in our own strength. It's by his power... In and through and around our lives, not our power for ourselves. So, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to hear this morning: that mission is why you are still on planet Earth. Yes. And I know some of us are wondering: Jesus, wants not you just come on back? Right? Why don't you just come on back? This world is a hard and difficult place to live. Many of us are already homesick for heaven. Just come on back, Lord. Why are we still here? Right there. We have a mission, and the mission isn't finished. The mission is ongoing until Jesus comes again. Your mission and mine is to know Jesus Christ and to make Jesus Christ known by his power and not our own. So listen, friend, if you want your life to matter, And you do, deep in your heart, I know you want your life to be meaningful, to count, to have purpose and significance. More than just the American equivalent to a giant ball of string, you want your life to have an eternal impact forever. Here's how it happens. Join Jesus in his mission to know him and make him known by his power and not your As a matter of fact, that is so central to what it is to be a follower of Jesus that our pastors have felt led by God to refocus our attention on that mission this coming year and the the months ahead and the weeks ahead leading into our fall discipleship approach. We're just going to focus on knowing Him and making Him known. So our men's and women's Bible studies that will start on Wednesday nights will have as their theme knowing Him, then making Him known. In the middle of the fall, our neighbors and nations mission conference will be about knowing Him and making Him known. Going into the new year, as we're looking at ministry programming, as we're looking at Bible studies and discipleship and equipping opportunities, it's all about knowing Him and making Him known. Because there really isn't anything. Else for us to be or do as a New Testament church other than knowing him and making him known. And so I just put that on your radar to say as the Holy Spirit may stir your heart to step into the mission of Christ, we want to give you ample opportunities, your pastors, to be a part of what Jesus is doing through his mission in this community that includes you, knowing him and making him known by his power and not our own. That's what this text is all about. So here's what I want to do with the remainder of our time together. Let's walk back through that big idea and look at each part, meditate over each part for just a few moments together. Number one, our mission is to know him, to know him. Mark chapter three, verse 14 says this, and he, Jesus appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. Look at this. So that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach. Guys, the center of our mission is a person whose name is Jesus and our personal relationship, our personal, growing, thriving relationship of love and faith with Jesus Christ. And that has been the heart of our study of Mark. To this point, we've just been getting an up-close look at who Jesus is and what it looks like to have a growing relationship of faith in him as we follow him. So we've talked a lot about knowing Jesus and following Jesus to this point. But for this morning, what I really was compelled to meditate on is the connection that Jesus is making here between knowing Jesus and making him known. And it's this, knowing Jesus is the great motivation for making him known. Because knowing Jesus is the great motivation for making him known. I grew up in a Christian culture where the great motivation for making Jesus known was guilt. (laughs) I got to tell you, in church circles, few things are more powerful than a guilt trip laid on you by a really compelling student minister. Guilt telling people about Jesus. This obligation of, I don't want to, but I have to. Because it's what I'm supposed to do. And none of those things are great motivation. We may do it out of them but our hearts won't be right in them. The great motivation for making Jesus is, is known as knowing Jesus for yourself. I actually call this the, you have to try this phenomenon. You guys know about the, you have to try this phenomenon? You probably do, but I'll tell you just in case you don't know. Um, I love food. Um, let me rephrase that. I love good food. Am I alone in that? No. And, and I got to tell you, my wife's the same way. She and I share a really similar preference for similar types of food. We appreciate the good tastes that God has put into this world. We appreciate the kindness that God showed us by making it possible for food to be delicious. Do you realize that? God could have made food taste awful and we still would have had to eat it. But he didn't. He made it possible for southern cooks everywhere to make food delicious. (laughs) Just, Just think... Think of what God did when he made a cow. He he didn't have to make it possible for cows to magically turn into filet mignon, but he did. And he didn't have to make it possible to get butter from cow's milk so that you could soak a Ruth's Chris steak on a plate of sizzling butter, but he did. And he didn't have to make it possible to turn cow's milk into cream so you could freeze it and have the glorious goodness of heaven nectar called ice cream. But God did that. He made our taste buds to taste and he made it possible for food to taste good. And I realize we're running up against lunch and you're starting to get antsy. But listen, I really mean this. God did not have to make food to be enjoyed. He could have made it to be endured just as something we had to have to live. But that's not how God worked. God chose to make food delicious when the right people are filled with his spirit making it that's another point and here's where i'm getting whenever emily and i bite into something that's truly delicious there is a reflex in us that just automatically happens we say this and maybe you know what i'm going to say we say this you have to try this you guys know what i'm talking about It's the you-have-to-try-this phenomenon. That's just how we're wired as people. We do it with the television shows we love. We do it with the songs that we've heard. We do it with great restaurants, with good shopping centers, with beautiful vacation spots. Whenever we enjoy something that is enjoyable, that is worthwhile, that's notable, we reflexively say, you have to try this to someone that we care about. And listen, friend... That dynamic in an infinitely greater way is how Jesus has wired us to live on the mission to make him known. The great motivation of our hearts to make Jesus known is knowing Jesus for ourselves. To have a personal experience of his love and grace and glory firsthand to experience his presence each and every day as we hear his voice in the word as we experience his presence in prayer to taste and see that the Lord is good in a way that starts our day off by wanting to tell someone else you have to try this Jesus is so good friend nothing will motivate your heart more To make Jesus known like knowing Jesus for yourself. And that means that when we talk about the mission of Jesus in this world or community. We need to start not with going out telling people. But getting alone with Jesus for ourselves. To realize this. Jesus didn't come to this world to live and die and save everyone in general and no one in particular. Did you know that? Jesus came for you think about that kid your father in heaven sent his son into this world for a mission Jesus came to earth to live the life you you have failed to live because of your sin Jesus went to the cross to die as a sacrifice for your sins each and every one you've ever committed. He rose again from the grave so that he could raise you up to a brand new life where you would live with him and he would live in you, in you, particularly a life that experiences his power and his love and his peace and his presence. Jesus came for you. John, Rebecca, Bryce, Liz, you... Jesus wants to make you his masterpiece of grace. So if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to start right there. I want to invite you on this day to trust in him. Guys, at the end of this service... Our pastors, our prayer partners will be down front. We would love to talk with you about beginning your own personal relationship with Jesus. And for all of you who are already trusting in Christ, I just wanna ask you this. Can you honestly say that you are living your life in a way that shows your life's mission is to grow in relationship with Jesus? Are you spending your time and your energy Your resources, your attention to be with him, to hear his voice and his word, to experience his presence in prayer, to have a thriving, growing relationship of love with Jesus. What needs to change about the way you do your day to day life so that the real and living Jesus can be the center of it all in a way where you can honestly say the mission of my life is to know Jesus for my self, for my joy, for his glory, our mission is to know him. Number two, then our mission is to make him known. We already saw this in verse seven, Mark chapter six, seven says he called the twelve and began to send them out mark six twelve says, "So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. You see the the messengers of Christ, the disciples of Christ, are going out. And they're going out to make a message known. It was the same message that Jesus had. The same one that John the Baptist had earlier in the book of Mark. And the message is repent. Now, if you're thinking through this and you know the big idea is that we would make Jesus known. The question you would ask is, why would I say that this message of making Jesus known is also the message to repent? Well, let me give you a little bit more insight into the scriptures here. When Luke tells this account of Jesus sending the apostles out, he describes that message in a slightly different way. In Luke 9, 2, he says, and he sent them out to proclaim, look at this, the kingdom of God. And then down in Luke 9, 6, it says, they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel. So what was their message? Was it repent? Was it the kingdom of God? Was it the gospel? You know the answer? Yes, yes, yes. Their message was a message that's made up of all three. And because of that, we can see that all three have a theme. And the theme of all three is Jesus. See, the gospel that they preached is the good news I just mentioned that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior who came into this world to save anyone and everyone who will place their faith in his life, death, and resurrection. The message of the gospel is the message that God's kingdom has come to this earth. And it's opened up to anyone who will bow before the king of God's kingdom. And who's the king of God's kingdom? Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. So what do those have in common with the call to repent? The gospel and the kingdom? Well, the word repent means to change one's mind. And here's what that means. It means that if we don't have a fundamental change of mind, we will never believe the gospel of good news about Jesus. And we will never bow before Jesus as our King. You see, the Bible teaches us, and we don't have time this morning to go through all of the texts, but the Bible teaches us that we as natural people, as just common men and women who are trapped in our sin, we need a change of mind. We need to change our minds about our sin, about ourselves, and primarily about our Savior. Here's what I mean by that. We need a change of mind that sees our sin the way that God sees it. Friend, sin is an attack on a holy God, sin is the selfishness of our hearts that wants to do life our way and wants the world to revolve around us as though we are the little K kings and little Q queens of our own kingdom. We we need to see ourselves then the way that we really are, not as kings of our own little kingdoms and not as sin as though it's no big deal. We need to see ourselves as who we really are, slaves to sin, enemies of Christ and slaves of Satan himself until Jesus sets us free. We need a change of mind. That's why the call is to repent. We need to see that Jesus is our only hope, that he's our savior and our king. And that's how repentance fits in with the gospel, good news about King Jesus. Until we have a change of mind about our sin, ourselves and our savior, we will never turn to Jesus to save us. We will never recognize that we're sinners who need to be saved. We will never bow before Jesus as Lord and King, relinquishing our lives to him until we see that he is king and we are not. And so putting all that together, making Jesus known means telling people the good news that King Jesus has come to save Those who will trust in him to save us from our sin and ourselves and even from this world, to save us from an eternity in hell, Jesus has come to save us from, and he's come to save us to something, namely to his kingdom, to live forever with him. And we need a change of mind. Our message is change your mind. Agree with God about your sin, agree with God about yourself, agree with God about your Savior. Namely, Jesus and only Jesus is able to save. And friends, that's the message of the true church of Jesus Christ. That's what we are on a mission to make known to our world, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our classmates. There's only one hope for this world and his name is Jesus. And we are called to turn from sin and self and every other means of so-called help And place our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen to me friend. We need to say this often in this world. The greatest need of this world. Is not a message of social improvement. Or self-help. Or self-esteem. Or modern psychology. Or government reform. Or a better political platform. Let me repeat that. A better political platform. Those things may have their rightful place and certainly can be used in God-honoring ways. But we need to be very clear on this. Those things are not the message of the true church of Jesus Christ. Those things are not the message... That this world in its darkness and decay and chaos most desperately needs to hear. Do you know what this world needs? This world needs the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This world needs a message that confronts its sin and calls sin, sin, because God calls sin, sin, and calls us to repent, to change our hearts and minds as it re- First, to our sin and turn to Jesus as the one and only Lord of our lives and Savior of our souls. And I understand that a message that confronts sin and sinners is a message that's wildly unpopular in our world today. You know that? Yeah. Can I let you know a little secret? It's always been unpopular. That's why the crowds killed Jesus. It's not about whether the message is popular. It's not about whether or not it's well received by our culture. You know what it's about? Whether or not it's true. And the truth is this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who believe it is the power of God to save and redeem. And for a world that is dying and headed for hell. The gospel is the only message of hope there is. It's Jesus only Jesus. And may that never be anything other than that we preach. That we proclaim. That we make known in this world. So the question then. It's who in your life needs to hear that message about Jesus. How might Jesus be calling you, be leading you to be the one to let them know? Around here, there's something we call who's your one. Who's your one is an approach to living on an intentional message to make Jesus known where we live, work, learn, and play. To someone who's, who's far from God, but close to us. It might be a family member. It might be a friend, a, a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate. In our, our lobby, we actually have a section that's set aside as a reminder of who's your one. And I love seeing that section. It's a visual reminder. All those little circles that have a number one on them, those represent someone that the people of this church are living to make the gospel known to, to see saved. Underneath those ones, there are little crosses. Whenever a cross is hung under that number one, it represents an opportunity someone in this church has had to tell another person about Jesus. And the one I love most of all is that little circle that has a heart in it. As you walk by even on your way out. I encourage you to look over and see the hearts this last year that have been given to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And there are some of us in this place who've not been living on an intentional mission in our life. And today, God is calling you by the power of Christ. We'll talk in that for just a second, but to live on mission. And who's the one? Who's the one that God is placing on your heart even today? that you would begin praying and seeking opportunity to tell that gospel message that is their only hope. Would you begin just by saying, Jesus, lead me to that one. Jesus, stir my heart for that one. Our mission is to know Jesus and make him known. And let me close quickly by looking at something we need to remember. It's this, number three, our mission is dependent on Christ's power, not our own. Look at verse seven. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts. That's how my son leaves the house every time he's going somewhere. No provision for tomorrow, but to wear flip-flops and not put on two tunics. Sorry, Logan, called you out. Do you see what he does here? Here's what's really cool. Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission and he does something really important. He gives them something to take with them, right? What did he give them? He gave them his authority. He gave them his power now these particular disciples occupied a special place in the history of the church chapter 3 tells us they were designated as capital a apostles apostles had a unique kind of authority for instance apostles had the authority to write the bible through the inspiration of the holy spirit and i think it's a pretty good public service announcement to let you know you don't have that kind of authority right if you try to write a new book to be added to the bible that doesn't make you an apostle it makes you a heretic and a cult leader. So don't go down that road, right? These men have a special unique authority that's given to them as apostles. However, we need to understand that that's not to say we don't have Christ's authority. As a matter of fact, remember what we saw in Matthew 28. He promises to be with us as the one who has all authority in heaven on earth We may not have the same role as the apostles, but we have access to the same power as the apostles, the very power of Jesus Christ himself. Friend, you don't need to be afraid or intimidated to tell others about Jesus. You know why? It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on your ability to say it all right or to open up doors of conversation. It doesn't depend on you to be creative or imaginative with new ways to serve those around you. The message of Jesus doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. And Jesus wants his followers to know that so clearly that he doesn't just give them something to take with them. He actually keeps them from taking something with them. Verse 8 says that he told them to take no bread or money or even a change of clothes. Man, that's interesting. (laughs) Don't even change your clothes because it will show when you stink and people still listen to your message that the power of God is, no, that's not why. That's not why. Here's why. It's because Jesus wants them to the very deepest level of everything they do to completely depend on him to provide everything they need. He wants his followers to step out in faith, believing God will supply what I need when I need it for whatever I encounter. So he doesn't want them to have a backup plan. He doesn't want them to trust in anything or anyone but him. And that's how Jesus wants you and I to live as well. He doesn't want us making up these imaginative plans by our own power. He simply wants us to step out in faith and obedience, living as though the mission of saving people depends on Jesus and not us. Let me let you in on some really good news. You can't save anybody. Namely yourself or those you love. And so as you're living to make Jesus known to your friends and your family, Jesus wants to give you something. He wants to give you himself. He wants to give you a front row seat to watch him work in his world in ways that only he can. He wants to let you see what he's capable to do in you and through you, not what he's expecting you to do for him. I grew up in a house with a dad who was a fixer. Some of you guys had dads that were fixers. My dad could fix anything. And he worked on everything we owned, largely because we couldn't afford to hire anybody else to work on it. So dad was stuck with the job. And whether it was working on the house or whether it was fixing an old car, dad would always be working on something. And here's what was awesome. My dad was the kind of dad who gave me as his son an open invitation to join him in all those projects. So I often found myself leaning over the fender of a car with the hood that was open, joining dad in his little project to fix the car. Now, here's the reality. I had no idea what I was doing. And I probably got in the way more than I was a help. But the project didn't depend on me. The project was a front row seat to watch my dad work. And as those years went by and the projects came and went, I've got to tell you, i got a front row seat to see my dad. It wasn't just about the project that was getting done. It was about the fact that I got to know him. He'd tell me stories as he worked and wrenched on cars about being a kid or being a young adult or being a father who welcomed a crazy haired kid named Titus into his world and how much he loved him no matter what. And I got to hear my dad talk. I got to see my dad work. And I got to tell you, I walked away from those projects. And do you know what built up in my heart? This thing in me that was deeply convinced my dad can do anything. I remember as a child feeling that so deeply that when this kid at school had the audacity to claim that his dad was the best dad, I felt myself getting angry that anyone would make such a crazy claim because clearly my dad was the best dad. Man, I wanted to knock that kid in the mouth so bad. Don't say that about my dad. Here's the reality. That, in some way, apart from the anger response is what Jesus is inviting you in today. He's working in this world. He's seeking and saving people. He's transforming lives in ways that only a resurrected king could transform their lives. It's not dependent on you. It's not about your ability. It's not about your power. It's not about your authority. You know what it's about? It's about Jesus. And when he invites you in and you say yes to his mission, you know what you get? A front row seat to see Jesus work. And that takes us all the way back to the beginning. It gives you a front row seat to know him in a way you wouldn't otherwise know him by seeing his power on display in his work of transforming and saving sinners like you, like those around you. So you want to live with a front row seat to see Jesus work? You want that kind of life that's eternally significant? that matters forever and is to the glory of Jesus and the good of those around you. You want that kind of life and not just a giant ball, a string? You want it? You got it. You've got a mission, an invitation from Jesus himself. You can know him and make him known by his power and not your own. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me and let's respond to Jesus and his word if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, right now would you call on Jesus Just acknowledge that you can't save yourself, you can't make yourself right with God. Agree with him that you have sinned and that your sin is grievous to God. Call on Jesus to save you by the power of his life, death, and resurrection. Just call out, Jesus, save me. I'm trusting in you. Be my king. Give me power to follow you. For those of you who are trusting in Jesus and the Spirit is stirring you just to have a moment of realignment in your life, how is he calling you to pray, to seek his face, to hear his voice, to follow him, to mission to your friends, your family your neighbors, your classmates your co-workers, would you just say yes to Jesus Jesus I want to follow you into the mission I want to see you work and right now there may be a name someone that God has placed on your heart to pray for, right now would you pray for that person Pray for them to be saved by the power of Jesus. Pray for God to open the door for you to tell them the good news about Christ. Pray for a heart that would depend on Jesus to be strong in you where you're not strong for yourself. Father, thank you that you have made a way for our life on earth to be eternally significant. Thank you for giving us the privilege of having a front row seat to see in Jesus show his power and authority in this world. Lord, thank you for choosing to use us to glorify you and bring others good by engaging in the mission of Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be people who would respond with faith and obedience to the call of Christ. I pray that even in this week, you would give us opportunity and we would step through the doors as you would open them to make Jesus known and word and deed to those who desperately need to hear. Lord, be glorified in us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name.